Welcome to All The Things Podcast. I'm Regina Lawrence, your host. I'm a lawyer turned soulful business strategist and transformational mindset coach. I'm also the founder of the community, All The Things Business. I've created a community of women who can truly be all the things, successful, spiritual, sexual, and wildly unique, all while creating a life of purpose and passion according to our own rules. We don't have to look or be a person that societal norms dictate anymore. We don't have to play by somebody else's rules. We can be whoever we want to be, and that person can be all the things in one. Each week, I'll bring you episodes where we dive deep into business, entrepreneurship, and a whole host of topics to help us dive into who we truly are so that we can really be all the things. Welcome to my podcast. Hey guys, I know that starting a business can be really complicated, confusing, scary, and there's so many moments when you're starting your business or when you're pivoting your business, you feel really, really confused and like you have no one to talk to. I totally understand that because when I started my coaching business, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I tried a million things and I would hit dead ends and I would just try and try and try and try. Luckily, I was able to figure it out, but I had to take the long way. And that is exactly why I am the business coach that I am, because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried all of the things, and I know what works in creating, scaling, and pivoting your online and coaching business. If you are needing a friend, if you are needing a coach and somebody to hold your hand through this crazy process of growing your business online, schedule a free 30-minute virtual coffee chat with me. Go to my website, reginalawrence.com, and click Schedule a Virtual Coffee Chat, and we can hop on and talk about one particular issue in your business that you are struggling with right now. And by the end of that 30 minutes, I promise you that you will have a solution. Once again, it's www.reginalawrence.com, and click Schedule a Virtual Coffee Chat. I cannot wait to talk to you and help you unravel anything that you are struggling with in your business right now. Enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of All The Things Podcast. I am your host, Regina Lawrence, and today I'm so excited for our guest. We have another human being who is such a beautiful human connector. In fact, he founded an organization called The Intentional Connector, Mr. Chris Delaney on Instagram at I am Chris Delaney. Chris is somebody who I met through Clubhouse because everything that he does is about curating and creating connection in a way that we are really experiencing it as humans with one another. Chris is known as the Intentional Connector, which is a conscious business architect, thought leader, creative visionary, and expert in human connection. Chris's core mission is to end human suffering by redefining the collective narrative around business and how we experience true connection. He's the co-founder of the Tri Vibe Collection, an intentional lifestyle clothing brand, as well as Intentional Enterprises, a coaching and consulting business that has directly and indirectly impacted well over seven dozen businesses through the power of conscious business strategy. Prior to this, Chris had over a decade in small business in Fortune 500 spaces where he was tasked with developing high-performing sales teams on shoestring budgets, which continually broke records. Chris is such 
an interesting, powerful human being. And the conversation that we have on this podcast is so varied, so interesting, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Some of the things that we touch on, one of the core things we touch on is Chris as an intentional connector and how he got to be this way and why he is able to connect with people in the beautiful way that he has chosen to and then form a whole community about it. We have this great conversation about masculine and feminine dynamics and shifting into polarities. We talk about dating. We talk about monogamy and non-monogamy. So many good juicy bits. I hope you guys love this episode. And as always, if you are loving the episode, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Take a screenshot of the episode, share it in your story, and tell us what you loved about the episode. With that, I hope you guys love this episode as much as we loved recording it for you. So the way I want to start this episode today is a little different than how I normally start the episodes because I normally will kind of introduce my guest and prime the audience a little bit before they start. But because of the guests we have today, we're just going to go into asking some questions and see what comes up sort of rapid fiery. And just tell me what comes up for you first, Chris. Okay. 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 What are you most passionate right now about right now in your life? Passionate about my vision. Um, And again, it's accelerated by uh, community. Um, it's, it's really turned into a mission um, of ending human suffering through community and connection. And I'm really, really passionate about it because one, it makes me feel really, really good. And two, the people that are involved. And so over the last like 60 days, um, we've talked about this before, but this acceleration of what's happening because of an app like Clubhouse has just like put these people in my life that I otherwise, it probably would have taken me years to meet and to network into. And um, it's really fucking exciting. So I'm really passionate about, you know, being open to the idea, what it feels like, and then also kind of how it's manifesting. And um, it feels really good to take all the lessons I've learned over the last decade or so and just be in a space where I'm like really grounded and just see it really clearly and we're just executing. So um, that's really, really exciting. I'm also super stoked for when this COVID thing dies down and we have no borders to go party with some of the people I've met too. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. When you think back on your journey through life, the past, specifically the past 10 years of you, as you have transformed, what has been the thing, the resource, the modality, the book, the teacher that has helped you the most on the journey? Mm. It's been the thing, you know, I think journaling and and being by myself has honestly been an accelerant for me in terms of, um, I, I got introduced to personal development like, you know, four or five years ago and I started reading some of these books and I was like, yeah, this makes sense because I think a lot of my life experience led me down a path of personal like life development, I think. And I don't really do a lot of digesting anymore. There was a part of my life where I was like digesting so much stuff that really what I'm doing right now is, is I've, I've limited the amount of input into me and just really focused in on, on learning about myself. So I have journals full of my own thoughts, ideas, um, questions I ask myself. Um, and spending time with my own thoughts to me has been really the healing modality for me, especially, you know, part of my background, you know, going through a lot of grief and a lot of loss. Um, I needed to come to grips and as, as much as I kept pushing stuff into my brain, um, I really needed to release a lot of it. So it's been meditation and journaling are the two things that have been like non-negotiables and meditation has turned into like emotional releasing has turned into intentional meditation of like seeking my intuition 
um, and then into energetics as well, which has been huge. Um, you know, Danielle Laura is somebody I reference all the time. She was, uh, she is my spiritual advisor and somebody who opened me up to energetics. Um, and it was a crash fucking course mm. into things like spiritual warfare and shadow and masculine and feminine dynamics, but it all fell at once at home. And also like, you know, some quantum leaping in my life that I was ready for though, I think. Mm. Have you always had such a sexy radio voice or have you had to work on that? <laughs> <laughs> I blame it on the microphone. I, I invested into this because of Clubhouse. I spent like twelve hundred bucks and all that stuff. Um, you know, it, I used to, I, I used to hate the sound of my own voice. In fact, my first Facebook Live I did was like, I think it was like, it's coming up. It's gonna be March twenty seventeen, and I remember doing it, and it, I was so uncomfortable. It was right after my divorce, and I left the corporate world, and um, I was going through this period of time where I was trying to figure out who the hell I was, and. I remember I thought I was going to either like throw up or shit my pants when I got finished with it. And I listened to it and I was like, like what's going on there? And, um, you know, I, I think for me, it's interesting. People are responding to my voice. And I think if anything, I'm just thankful. I, I haven't worked on it. Um, I've gotten some, uh, I've gotten some voiceover gigs recently, which has been cool. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think part of what people are drawn to with me is, um, I just am who I am. You know, I, I don't change it very often at all, if anything, but I leave space to kind of be who I'm in that moment and just kind of made a, a deal with myself five years ago that um, I would give myself permission to be whoever I was in that moment. Whatever came in my head would come out my mouth. And I think people appreciate that. What do you, so one of the biggest missions that you have is human connection, connecting with humans yourself, connecting humans to one another. Where does that come from for you? Yeah, it comes a lot from being a kid growing up in very adult situations where I was kind of silenced or, you know, I was around a lot of adult stuff and I had to learn how to, um, I learned a lot of manipulation as a kid. I learned a lot about um, dynamics of authority and things like that and, and just watched a lot happen. So I've always been super observant and I've always taken in things. I think even as a kid intuitively, like what felt good, what didn't feel good. And so especially, you know, after my mom passed back in 2007, I was on my own. I, I applied those lessons a lot to seeing people and I pendulum swung from being this super, super purposeful person into like, I don't know, like Simba going off into the woods, you know, after Mufasa dies and trying to figure shit out. And it's like some people have said Makuna Matata. So I went and bartended all those different things. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it, it just felt really good. And I, I think the catalyst for this was 2016 when I left my corporate gig and I was out in Texas and um, I didn't have any choice, but I was broke and I had time and that was the only way I could really solve problems. And so intuitively I was led to be like, what would I desire? I really would like somebody to get to know me. How would I get to know somebody? Like learning about them and their story. And I spent, you know, almost a decade in the corporate space and, and in the small business and every single day I never got a chance to know people. And that never felt great. Like I'm making these decisions and it's just numbers on a spreadsheet. And so I was like, what would I desire if I could really talk to somebody? And I was like, I want to know like, you know, the dark part of their lives, like my life, you know, cause that was, that was a hard thing to lose my mom and have people say, I'm so sorry, but nobody really asked me how I was really doing, you know, and that, that was, that was really tough. And so I think it's evolved into this whole entire thing where for me, connection has transformed into, I'm very, I'm very comfortable in very uncomfortable spaces for most people, like the awkward silence, you know, I don't get awkward with people. I don't get embarrassed very often. Um, and, and a large part of it is because I just know who I am to the best of my ability. But I think also like connection happens when we get to that point where we're seen for the first time in a way we've never been seen and it's mm -hmm. super uncomfortable, but it's also very intimate. So we're drawn into it. 
And that's the kind of experience I really enjoy. So when I talk about being a connector, like I definitely connect people together, but I live for the moments in which there's like that fleeting instance of like that connection to intimacy because we can only have so much of that. And that to me is like the divine meeting itself, you know? And that's a, that, that to me is such a great feeling. That like that space that you just described, like that intimate connected meeting with another human, I'm finding as I get older, like that's what I want. Like that's mm. the desire I have when I meet people. I, I'm like you, I can't talk about the weather. Like I can't surface talk, yeah. but I'm like, like what's a real point of connection that we can have as human beings together? Yeah, totally. And it's, it's interesting. Like, you know, you get in the personal development space and everybody's like impact a million people and everything else. And I'm like, but what's in it for you? Like, do you want to be validated? Do you want to be, you want, do you want to be seen as powerful, sexy, attractive? Like, do you want to drive a better car? Like that's the stuff I'm interested in because I think oftentimes we hide that part of ourselves because we don't want to be found out, so to speak. But that to me is like the most authentic version of somebody is like, we're human beings and, and we are spiritual beings having a human experience, but like, I want to know like the dark parts of you, because then if I, if I know the dark parts of you, I can trust you far more than if I never see that. And I want to see it fast because I want to know what, what, what makes you tick. And, and if I'm going to spend my time powerfully and make a decision, I want to know that because I, I trust consistency. And I think what surprises most people with me is like I, people in my life who have consistently shown me that, you know, for instance, with social media, like if they're just about the following count, but they're very open about it, I'm cool with that. And way more than somebody who's like, yeah, I don't really care about the following count, but their actions indicate something totally different. I don't want to have to like sort through nonsense to figure things out, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. When you think about the connection and the growth that you're having right now on Clubhouse and on social media, what's in it for you? How I feel. I mean, it feels really good. You know, is my, my enjoyment is walking into a room or digitally or in person and changing the energy of the room. Like that feels really good. And you know, that to me was, and it feels good because I, I know how to discern between manipulation and influence. Mm-hmm. And I think they're only separated by intention. And I think for me, you know, I have a certain vision, something I want to accomplish. And for me, like when somebody's very certain, very definite, they just carry themselves differently. They move differently. And for me, it's like, it's just a different experience. And so I think the first experience I had on Clubhouse was walking into a, walking into a digital room, mm-hmm. and it was my second day on the on the platform. And two uh, two guys that I knew, who I do a lot of work with, they were doing website reviews or something. And we walked in, and Danielle knew the person they were working with, this guy Archie, and she edified me to him, just introduced me, and said, "Hey, this is somebody who can really help you with your business." And then for the next two hours, because he trusted me, allowed me into his business, and we like solved a whole bunch of problems for him. The dude was in tears and then wrote like a two to 300 test word testimonial on Facebook. And that was an experience like I've never had before in social media. And I was like, I'm hooked. If we can keep doing that, that's great because ultimately it's about that feeling over and over again. Cause if I'm having fun, then I can help other people feel really good. And if we can do that at scale, we can really do something really powerful. Hmm. Something that I teach and talk about a lot with my students and with the people that listen to the podcast is like human connection is the first point of contact for me. Like if we're going to be a coach and, and working with people, you have to build intimacy and connection, especially in the world of social media. Sure. Connection is something that building connection is something that seems pretty intuitive to you. It's something that you, you have developed over the life and experiences you've had. If somebody's really seeking to learn how to be a better connector, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think it starts with spending a lot of time with yourself. 
Um, I think it really, you know, sitting down and asking yourself a question is writing it down on paper. Like, who really am I? Who, who really am I? And, and it's a big question. And, and what, what indicates that I am? Is it my name? Is it the titles I have? And if I was to look in my life and take away all those titles and we put them down on paper and we cross them off and we get to the core of that, we ask ourselves, who am I? And then once you get there, the question is, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And once you do that and you realize that you have this ability to really be a conscious part of what's being created, you begin to work with you know, the, the source that is, I mean, you get, you get the opportunity to create your day every single day, how you show up. And even if it's not the circumstances you desire, how you look at those things are, are all indicated by how you show up and see them. Mm-hmm. And so that for me is, is the key, because when you do that, you can then understand personal sovereignty and personal responsibility. And as a coach, as a healer, any of those things, you can begin to empty yourself out when you're listening to somebody else and you become presence. And when you become presence, you become connection. And that to me is what connection really is. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can sort through and you can see like it's a total difference between people who are just talking and people who are communicating. Totally different experience. Yep. And I think right now, especially with something like Clubhouse, we're starting to see the acceleration of ideas. And I keep saying that word acceleration because I think it just keeps coming up because human beings are meeting each other for the first time, even if they knew each other, because they're starting to hear people share ideas. And these ideas that normally were held um, you know, backward or, or back because they were fearful of the, of the reaction. So those things are starting to happen and we're starting to have a real honest response to these things because you can't hide it. You can't look at a post and be like, ah, I don't feel good about that and just walk away from it. You have to have the conversation now. I love that. Yeah. It's so interesting. So I think that most things in our businesses start in the space of silence and with self. Yeah. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about the concept of flow, being in flow. Okay, so let me think about how to unpack this, what I've been thinking. So I've been thinking a lot about when you're building a business and when you're a new entrepreneur or you're pivoting and starting something new, but you're seeking to be in flow, can we be in grow, like the grow hustle, the grind? There's always going to be phases of the grind. Can we be in flow? Mm-hmm. And can we be grinding at the same time? No. Um, and here's why. And just my personal opinion, because we yeah. live in a 3D reality in which polarity exists. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm hearing is the dance between masculine and feminine, like feminine masculine structure for feminine to flow. So it's, it, it, we, have, it, we are consciously choosing one or the other at any given moment in time. But I do think what we can do is be fluid. So I think we can focus on really you know, being like water or dancing with that because there's points in time throughout our day where we might need like really masculine, like mm-hmm. penetrating into like what needs to be said or said or, or heard here and, and understood and then relating with the feminine directly after. So I do think just because of the nature of the, the 3D reality we're in, polarity does exist, but we're doing our best to embody in the moments that we're consciously aware of it. If we're in the fourth and fifth dimension, of course, all the yeah. time. All the they time. Exist all the time, yeah. So for you, the idea is we have that polarity and can flow between like the peace and the hustle, the masculine and the feminine. Always. Yeah. I think of, um, cause I, I work a lot with relationship. Like, I don't know if a lot of people know about gene keys, but they're amazing. Uh, that was a big, a uh, great tool for clarity for me. Um, so my, my gifting is, um, to work with polarity. So to dissolve polarity. So a lot of my work is resolving the tension for many people between a decision that they're making where they don't realize they can have both and, um, so something like this is a good one. Dr. Gay Hendricks talks about this in the big leap, the idea of, um, of integrity. 
So while you know society tells us that integrity is more is is about morality, should or shouldn't, really it's an integrity piece of physics. It's is or isn't. So do my actions align with my internal frame of reference? We don't feel good when we're out of alignment because one, we either didn't choose the value, or we're not in alignment because we're not taking the action in the valued outcome. Yep. So if we dissolve that barrier down and say, how can I get to what I want? Well, I have to have the valued outcome and then take the action necessary. That's the most valued action towards that valued outcome. Yeah. And, you know, with, with the masculine feminine for me, and when I became aware of it, because it all starts with awareness and then it becomes a conscious repetition, um, I started to recognize, like, I'm a highly, highly creative person. Um, I look at business strategy from a very creative standpoint, because I use people as paintbrushes and I look at business as a way to like create the canvas. And so in that world where we have, where we have polarity, these two things are equal and, and opposite. And I think of it like a continual infinite loop where we're kind of coming towards the middle each time. And then we're kind of going back and forth. And if we can know where we are in that, in that loop, then we can understand how it can be broken if it needs to be, because that's where patterns are. Um, or it can be used really powerfully to know that like, okay, at this phase in my life or this time, this season, I know I'm going into a winter. It's time for me to hunker down and I just need to learn. I'm going into summer. I know it's time for me to have joy, fun, whatever. And especially with business, because we don't know the gestation of an idea, which is really tricky, Mm-hmm. All we can do is just really be present with what's happening and allow ourselves to get that feedback and that relationship, which in itself is polarity. It's the equal attention, which creates the attraction, right? What has enabled you as a man to really step into and embrace your feminine energy? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have, a, I have a really strong lover about me too. Like I'm, I'm very creative very romantic, but I tend to allow the warrior part of me to be the dominant because that's just what I've had in my entire life. But when my love language is spoken, which is super interesting, um, acts of service, I tend to, to go back into that lover very heavily. But I've learned and conditioning that I have to have that structure. Now, when I started learning about the feminine, um, it was really you know my connection with Danielle that taught me more about this and realizing that for many of my years, I mean, I was raised by a very wounded feminine. Um, you know, she went through breast cancer. So I watched her lose both her breasts, which impacted her sexual identity. I watched, you know, her connection to me, which was like a double bind pattern of come close, go away, come close, go away. And realized that that was manifesting in my relationships, you know? And I had to start realizing uh, my relationship with the feminine within, in my own life and how that was reflecting in my relationship. So within, so without. And so it's been, it's been over the last three, four years, I had to do a lot of work to really work through uh, my connection to a lot of the wounded masculine and immature masculine that was in my life. And then also in turn, really understand the power of my intuition and my spiritual nature, which is my feminine. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that work has been done by my ability to really allow my intuition to speak to me very powerfully and to utilize my intuition to really back up any rational thoughts or logic that I have and really create the structure for my feminine to feel, you know, powerfully sovereign, I think. And, you know, to be honest with you on the external, I'm still working on that in relationship to see where that goes. Cause I do know that I'm very driven, but I also realize, um, you know, I need time to take care of myself. Self-care was big, right. Doing little things like little rituals. And so, you know, don't forget that part of yourself while you're building, because that's going to be really, really necessary. Tapping into that feminine 
energy for men is oftentimes, I think even just the fact that we call it feminine mm-hmm. energy is like, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's off-putting for men. And I, and I know so many men who like, they feel the desire to step into that, yeah. but there's so much fear of judgment and criticism um, around it. How the big question is like, how do we help men embrace mm-hmm. this more and step into it? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, um, you know, to separate that idea of gender uh, externally and masculine feminine dynamics. Right. But I think more so we're coming into a a period of time in which the utility of men just as core have, has not been embodied. Right. We're, I don't want to go too far into this could be a separate conversation, another episode, but I think one of the biggest challenges is like a totally sovereign masculine is one that doesn't consider or care about the opinions of others. Mm-hmm. And so you, when you stand sovereign in your masculine, you're not worried about the judgment or the criticism. And that creates such a structure for you to, to then be powerfully open. And, and the, real, the real challenge for men is to go from their head into their hearts. Mm-hmm. And to go into your heart is a deeply uh, scary proposition because the, the masculine superpower is logic, reason, vision. And to go into your heart, it can, be, uh, it can be a challenge because there's so much going on in there because the masculine compartmentalizes very well. Now, if that's not necessarily worked with or understood, we can compartmentalize so well that we detach away from any emotion whatsoever. So when you crack that motherfucker open, it's like there's a war happening. Mm -hmm. And so I think first and foremost, if I was going to give any advice, first, don't tell a man what to do because men will rebel. We don't want to be told what to do. I think if anything, what we're looking for is we're looking for embodiment. We're looking for those who embody and show versus tell us what to do. And I think also from the dynamics externally in relationship, I think what that looks like as well is there's a lot of anger, resentment, confusion, guilt, grief, um, just anger that, that has not been dealt with in generations because especially in the West, we don't get taught how to work with those feelings yep. and it's inherently caught in the collective. And what that looks like is triggering and conflict. And, um, you know, I'll be very honest with you, like the, the, the rational masculine does not know what's going on right now because there's so much chaos and abstraction. And so now is a, is, a, is a time and a call to, the, to those who are, who are really working through and transcending and, and dealing with the father wounds and all these various aspects to, to sit down in the chaos and look for clear sight to see what is and find the truth. Because those who do that right now are going to be called into a position of, of incredible leadership. And it's not going to be through telling others what to do. It's going to come from an embodied practice of, of a very sovereign masculine that by nature um, creates presence. And that presence will allow so much healing. So I think that's, that's a huge part of it. And I, I think there's, there's some nuance here, right? I don't want to speak in generalities. Also, I'm not the representative of all men. I always say that. Like yeah. I'm not, I've, nobody voted me in, right? I can speak for me. And, and I think that a lot of the spiritual men come across as very um, highly uh, feminine dominant men in, in their energy. And they're not working on, on the embodiment practices of both to really be the, the representation of like, I needed somebody who kind of reminded me of me. Mm-hmm. I didn't need somebody who came to me like reeking of patchouli wearing hemp clothing. You know, <laughs> I needed somebody that was like wearing t-shirt and jeans and was like sitting down with me having like a real conversation. And, and, and I think real leadership, in my opinion, like conscious leadership is having the, the quote unquote understanding of, you can call it enlightenment or whatever. You might just be a little bit further down the road, but really understanding how to communicate people and meet them where they're at. Yeah. Because baffling them with your brilliance does nothing for anybody. It does nothing. And also like putting on a show and 
you know, not being who you really are, dressing a different way, mm -hmm. looking a different way. When like all of a sudden you show up wearing fur and everything else. And I'm like, what happened? Dude, I what drank happened? ayahuasca out in Arizona and it was the shit. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Right. For me, like to step into spirituality and, and who I am now, my first real spiritual teacher was a girl from Philly with giant tits who said, go fuck yourself all the time. And was so, she was so normal and like, she was no. so familiar and she was so deeply spiritual. I was like, I don't know who this girl is, but she yeah. me something about life. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, and, and teachers come in all various containers and sizes and everything else. Like, you know, be discerning. <laughs> something that's, that's interesting is you're talking about the mat, the masculine and like what's going on, like energetically on the planet with men right now. On the other side of it, women who are, we're over here calling in the divine masculine, right? We're like, we want the divine, we want men to step into their divine masculine and their femininity and have the polarity. Yeah. But we're asking men, men are stepping in, I think at a rapid rate that they've never done before because sure. they're like so much permission. Mm -hmm. But while women have been like speaking this type of languaging for a while and have been in the spiritual world and doing this work for a long time, this is like a new experience and like new permission for men to be doing this thing that we're, that we've been doing. And so my girlfriends will be so critical of men that are mm -hmm. new in the space. And they'll be mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, can you believe he did that? Can you believe he said that? And I think on the other side, if we're calling men in, in a certain way, it's like, they are speaking this language for the first time. Like yeah. That's new. They are talking about feelings and things that like they never were even processing before. So there has to be this massive amount of grace, I think, given totally. to men stepping into the space. Mm. Yeah, totally. And, and I think that the other side of it too is, and again, I just speak for myself and, just, and, and I'm an observer and, and I'm open to saying that my views may change, you know, as I learn. Totally. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to say it is the right or wrong way. I'm just saying just what I've observed. Um. I also know that um, there's also this really interesting call for like over-sexualization of what the divine feminine is. Mm -hmm. And especially for the sovereign masculine who is, you know, building a kingdom or, or building like, you know, into that future, that can also be super off-putting, you know, because it's like, that's the representation. Like if you're going to be, you know, a queen like that, is there a sovereignty to how you're objectifying yourself in the name of the divine feminine? Because there's a, there, there's a sovereign sexuality that comes up when it's an embodiment practice versus it being something that gets attention because again the same thing for men of like i show up wearing fur and all of a sudden i'm 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 initiated to then also on the flip side of that being like over sexualization especially on things like social media now the trick is it's like my body my choice i totally get it it's just personally what my response is as somebody who's really focusing on embodying that sense of what masculine is and that judgment becomes so tricky because what is more what is more opposite of divine than judgment Mm -hmm. I mean, judgment, judgment is saying that I, in, in, in what I believe to be my sovereignty is to still detach myself away from others and to separate myself, which is the, the essence of, of disunion. And if you're looking to union with the sacred masculine, then what I believe to be happening for both of these energies, both of these embodiment is to create the space for the other mm -hmm. and in service to each other in that way, you know? And, and I think that that becomes super, super interesting. I mean, for men, especially it's to understand the powerful chaos that is the feminine and for, you know, for the feminine, it's the, the powerful presence of the masculine who's deeply tied, tied to his heart. 
Mm-hmm. And I think both of those together is like, we're, we're kind of like, you know, we're circling around it as fast as we can to get to that core and we're working on it. And I think it's, it's a beautiful dance. And I think the question that like always has to be asked, I'm thinking about like, like the, the, the over-sexualized feminine and times yeah. Yeah. is what is your intention? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? Why are you showing up like this? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, like if they looked deep in their heart of hearts, the intention is not necessarily could might not necessarily be the purest intention sure and i mean you know there's nothing wrong with wanting you know sex there's nothing wrong with wanting those things you can do it like there's no judgment whatsoever it's just being true again that integrity piece of does your action line up with with what you say you know for me i i observe how people embody the things that they say and i'd prefer somebody not to commit to it in public if they're not really committed to it in private Mm-hmm. just be human about it. Like I'm always clear with people, like I follow my practices, things happen, but there's a conscious unbalancing that happens. Like right now over the last 60 days, I saw an opportunity for me to accelerate a vision I had. And I consciously allowed myself to have a complete amount of chaos for 60 days because the outcome was valued and we achieved the outcome. Now I have to go back and, and create new structure for that. So you know, it, it's super interesting as I've gotten older too. And, and as I've gone through, you know, marriage before and stuff like that, my views on relationships have drastically changed. And I'm open to that too. We had a great conversation last night. Um, I was in a clubhouse room until like five o'clock in the morning, mm. um, which our mutual friend Kyle was there too. And, and we were just having a conversation, like really like pulling these ideas apart and like asking the questions and seeing if people resonated or not. And I think those things are important, man. How has your viewpoint and thought thoughts around relationships changed what were they and what are they at this point morphing into yeah relationships are a huge teacher uh, for me I think initially they manifested as a way for me to find uh, validation in my insecurity especially you know as my mom uh, passed away Um, so I, I my personal view is love is love and it manifests in different ways based on the definition you give to a relationship. So I don't think that there's any separation of love just how it manifests. So for instance, in romantic relationships, it started with me in really utilizing things like sex and whatever as a way to get my basic needs met because I really needed security. When I, my mom passed away, I mean, I went through times of homelessness. I met my father and he was a real piece of work and um, you know super vulnerable and I was trying to figure things out. And so relationships for me were like, where do I sleep? Where do I eat? What do I do next for a couple of years? And so um, that was at a point in time in which I was really utilizing, you know, my, my keen understanding of people to get what I needed. Yeah. And, and as I got married and I went through that relationship, you know, a large part of that was service in like a way in which I never really agreed upon to, but apparently I did because it was like, just serve, just like I did to my mom, just take care of this person as opposed to it being a powerful conversation between two people who had a joint vision. And so I just did that for seven years. And, and, you know, ultimately what a wonderful person, but realized that really I had no relationship to who I was. I had no clue what I wanted, who I was or anything else. I just knew I was doing for somebody else and I was just burnt out completely. And what it evolved into after that because of business and everything else is like, I, I consider relationships to be deeply intimate agreements that we get into where it's all about understanding our expectations and also learning about who we are in the reflection of others. And so relationship for me has been a mirror to find my shadow, my triggers. Um, and also what has changed for me is, is this understanding of what we do with marriage and, you know, things like monogamy, 
you know, nobody ever says that, that you should commit and, and powerfully say, like, I give you my monogamy. But it's just something we agree upon, you know, and then we, you know, we get upset with men, you know, because of the genetic urge, you know, to, to want to, you know, go forth and multiply, right? Mm -hmm. Or a woman who decides that she wants, you know, she wants the attention and she's not getting it where she, I mean, relationships become such an identity thing. And so what it's come up for me now is, especially in the vision that I have, and as I get older and I understand the power of things, like my human design is a, is a sacral manifesting generator, like my energy, the center is defined within the relationship and sexual energy, which means I can manifest like crazy, but I can also have completely diminished return if that sexual energy is given to the wrong person or projects. Yep. So I have to be really, really discerning with that currency that I have um, because a relationship for me multiplies or divides. It doesn't add or subtract. So now it's like really being thoughtful around the boundaries that I hold. And also I'm not in a sp stage anymore where a relationship defines me, mm -mm. you know? And, and I think also in a relationship in which two conscious individuals come together where you are working and you've, you've become relatively whole, right? You're still working on it. Whereas it's not like you complete me like that old nonsense, but it rather two powerful people who are able to give from the overflow of abundance. It's like a different experience and you share that shape and that vision. And, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not somebody who's really impressed by flings or any other stuff. It's just not interesting because I could spend that time doing something towards my vision, you know? Totally. When you think about, so you were married, you're divorced. Mm -hmm. um, when you think about monogamy and or marriage, what are your thoughts on them now? Like, would you ever get married again? So my thoughts on marriage are super interesting because I, I see the business behind marriage too. And I also see like the benefit, like it's something where, you know, when you have a conversation about it and you understand like what it's for, like, I believe in the covenant of marriage. I believe in that, in that sovereign covenant, but I don't think it needs to be example, like exemplified in a hundred thousand dollar wedding mm -hmm. um, or a $60,000 ring just to say, to say that you love. Now, if that's, if that's something that, that I'm in a relationship with that woman who says like, this is just something that I desire because it makes me happy, not because it identifies me or whatever. I'm open to that, whatever. It's just money. But I think the other side of it too is like understanding what that means, both from a financial standpoint, a business standpoint, a relationship standpoint. With monogamy, I think it's super important to have those conversations where you're open to each other about, you know, what desires do you have? Like, could you withstand your partner coming to you and saying, I had a sexual thought about somebody else? Mm -hmm. Like, how does that hit your ego? What do you do with that? Now, for me, I, I, I know I, I told you I'm a huge you know, listener of Aubrey Marcus and kind of the stuff, the work that he does. I have a huge amount of respect for him. I can't wait to meet him. But I, I personally know that for me, an open relationship is not my journey. It's not my path. I've never been called to. It's just not interesting to me. Um, I don't think I have to transmute any shadows of jealousy or anything like that. It's just not, not interesting to me, yeah. you know, but I don't judge others who do like rock on, you know? Yeah. I feel the same way about polyamory and having an, or having an open relationship. Like, I don't think there's any like shadow work I need to do around my jealousy yeah. in that but I'm just more interested, like you, my sexual relationships generate huge creativity and abundance Yeah. or they literally rob me of all of my energy and I can barely get out of bed in the morning because of mm -hmm. the weight of that sexual connection. Yeah. So I find in a monogamous, openly communicative relationship is when I am the most abundant and I'm yeah. the most... I love connection. I love like having that person you're so connected with, like they could be on the other side of the room and something happens and you just like look at each other across the room and you're like, 
I know that you know that I know what's happening right now, you know? Totally, yeah. That's the best. It's interesting, I think, too, like these conversations about monogamy, marriage, relationships are so important because as people are doing the deep soul work around their shadows and their traumas, they're realizing that the way that they were viewing marriage and monogamy and committed relationships was all based on codependency Mm -hmm. and being with another person to help me feel a certain way. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, relationships are crucible if you, if they're, if you're doing them right. I mean, it's, that's why I'm looking for, you know, if anything in my life, you know, it's, it's a clean mirror for me to do that with. And I think also, you know, your ability to withstand and work through with the triggers and stuff like that. And, and I think ultimately the catalyst for an intimate and deeply loving relationship is safety. Mm-hmm. And that goes for both men and women. You know, neither one safety is more important than the other. When you start getting into comparative suffering and you start getting into war of ideals of whose priorities are more important than the other, then it's time to take a step back and ask yourself, am I here for convenience and for what advantages this relationship bring me? Or because like, I really genuinely value what we're building together. And I think that's a good catalyst for like the clarity of like what your decision is. Totally. And like understand in that understanding, you have to understand yourself yeah. and like what it is you're seeking, what it is, like what makes me feel safe in a relationship totally. and then how do I communicate that to a partner and let them know that like, this is where I'm at. These are my boundaries. This is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. It's, it's, it's creating that space for things to be said, like in my head, out my mouth, you know, because you know, Danielle says this and I, I really appreciate it. You know, if there's no conflict, there's secrets. And I think we get taught that, you know, you're not supposed to fight or whatever, but it's like, no, no, no. It's like in that sacred relationship, like there's going to be some war that happens. And I think that that, cre- that can create a lot of beautiful opportunities or, I mean, it obviously can pull you apart, but relationships are voluntary. And so when people say like, I was stuck in that relationship or whatever, it, I, I totally understand where people might come from but we all have personal responsibility. Right. You know, and, and once we have that, it, it, it's a tricky thing to say because it immediately hits us in our ego and say like, well, you don't know the situation, but it's like at the end of the day, the, the conversation still is, we have personal responsibility that we have to be able to exercise and, and be able to figure out. Now there's positions of privilege and I get that hundred percent. I've been in some really difficult dynamic situations of power where I've really relied on certain people in times of deep vulnerability and deep uh, you know, pain. And if I had to go through many of those things now, later in life in my thirties versus in my earlier life, I'd probably self-medicate. I'd probably try to avoid them. I'm just very thankful. I went through some really big darkness in the beginning of my life versus now. And I'm, I'm able to kind of withstand that and, and, you know, sit with it and be cool with it. Something like thinking about relationships that I really like and am intrigued about with you is that you're able to still have a relationship with your ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Is there in like the uncoupling of that relationship, Mm -hmm. were there conversations about like how the container is changing and like what that will look like? Totally. I mean, I have absolute love and, and maybe, you know, it it happens again. Like I leave space open and I think it goes back to, you know, both people, you know, being honest about what it is that they need to create and where they see their lives going. Um, and as that container has changed, I mean, it's somebody I still do a ton of business with. It's still somebody I have a ton of respect for, plays a huge role in my life. And I think it speaks to the level of growth and, and consciousness we brought to the relationship in the first place. 
And, um, you know, you take it step by step and see where you go with it. It's interesting because in my earlier life, like when I broke up with somebody, like it was done, like they were, they were, I never spoke to them again. Like it was over. But as I have just changed and grown, I maintain a level of intimacy with those people I had relationships with before. And I was talking to the guy I'm dating now about it. And he said it so beautifully. He said, I don't ever expect you to fulfill every level of intimacy I am requiring in life. Like Mm -hmm. I have other people who maybe even like women that I have had a romantic relationship with before, but don't anymore. And they fulfill some level of intimacy for me. And so I've been adopting that into my life, like having certain levels of intimacy with, with people from the past who I love with a, like a pure love, it's not sexual anymore, but the relationship has changed. Yeah. That just inspired an idea for me, which is, I think real connection is our ability to get the clarity on, on, on what and who we really are and to get that full picture. Every single person at times in your life you've shared intimacy with has seen you in different ways. So they have like puzzle pieces. And so all these puzzle pieces we're trying to pull together. It's why we get so excited about things like natal charts or gene keys or human design. It's like, oh, this is another part. Oh, that makes totally like it surprises us and we get delight from it because we're just like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And, you know, but it's like we, we remember, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's interesting as we seek out the external recognition of what we already know inside. And I think that's part of our human journey is, you know, we want to be seen. We already know what we are. We just want to be seen for it. And I think that's part of the journey that's really interesting. So all these different relationships, each one of them got a different part of you. And instead of the jealousy or the conflict that comes up, what if we, you know, really, you know, united in that idea of, you know, how can I add to this bigger picture that is this person to help them see themselves? Um, Because I tend to lead a lot with a lot of uh, optimism for humanity, even in darkness. Like I see redemption a lot. And And I think that that's really, really important because, if we continue to push somebody into darkness, like that's our doing. How like it's that whole entire idea of redemption. Like when somebody says they're sorry, what else do you want from them? Right. Do you want do you want them to get hit by a bus, take a bullet for you? Like what do you need? Mm-hmm. You know. And it's more about like there's something within us that like we want, but it's really about our own personal healing that we need to do. That um, we want somebody else to take that bullet for us. And I don't know where I was going with that, but that was the inspired thought. <laughs> I like it. I like that. And and I yeah. also like to something I'm really embracing in my relationships is like people really are trying, like the people I've had romantic relationships with I have, that I have any relationships with right now, they are truly trying to do the best that they can in any situation. Yeah. They're waking up like the people closest in my life, wake up every day and they say, how can I be a better human today? Yeah. So if we start with that premise, mm-hmm. then like they're doing the best they can do. And like, maybe we need to communicate on another level about like, this is how I need communication to be, or this is what I'm requiring right now. But I think if we start with that as an umbrella, we have so much more grace for everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, we're always doing the best that we can. I mean, until and one of my mentors said this to me once, he said, until people have seen what you've seen, heard what you've heard or felt what you felt, they'll never understand. And, and I think we, we, we tend to want people to understand. And we, you know, we tell people like, you have to go do this. You have to go do that. Like people don't want to be told what to do. I said that earlier, but also like, I think the embodiment of like real leadership and influence in my opinion is paving the way for somebody without ever telling them mm-hmm. and letting them take their own journey. Like don't save people, let them struggle better, like serve them. And service doesn't mean that you save people. It means that you just give them the tools to maybe help them struggle better. You know, that's what Ray Dalio says. And I've always really enjoyed that. 
you know, I want to help people struggle better because that's really what empowers people. That to me is the difference. And we've talked about this before, the difference between the person who's building a business or a platform to be followed versus people who are truly setting people free. And I think the people who are really focusing on setting people free, it's their time. Like that's the new paradigm coming up. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think like, because of what has happened over the past 10 years online, people are so smart. And they know, they know what is real and they know what is not. And the intuition is like coming alive in people. The planet is waking up at such a beautiful rapid rate and people's barometer for bullshit is like so high right now. Totally. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I could talk to you for hours about every rabbit hole I go down. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I love having you on the podcast. Where can people find you on Clubhouse, on Instagram, and how can they connect with you? Yeah, I mean, both are at IamChrisDelaney.com, Clubhouse, and Instagram. Those are the two best places to connect with me right now. We got a bunch of projects launching, so websites are coming and all that stuff that people keep telling me that I need to have that I've told them, just be patient. So um, it'll be IamChrisDelaney.com as well, but um, Clubhouse is where I'm spending um, most of my time and um, hosting two rooms a day, nine o'clock in the morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, it's an intention setting room, which has been amazing. Uh, so many great things have come from that. And then each night I usually host around seven to 10 p.m. Uh, we do a room based on community connection uh, and communication. And um, I just find some really dope people on a clubhouse and I'm like, come with me, let's go talk and then let people up and we can have a great party. And um, that's where I'm spending my time. And then Instagram is where I, I, I wasn't spending any time on Instagram before. And it's insanity how quickly IG has grown just because it's the direct connect to Clubhouse. Yeah. yeah. So I just do live content there, which I love doing anyways. I'm just being my car, jam it on. And I'm like, I'm going to talk for 20 minutes about, you know, something very specific in your business. People usually charge you for a masterclass. Let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. I love it. Guys, yeah. go follow Chris, connect with him, check out his clubhouse rooms in the morning and the evening. I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, please take a screenshot, share it on your story and tag me and Chris and let us know what you loved or what you took away from this episode. I will see you guys next week on the podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved what you heard, I would be beyond thankful if you would share this podcast on your Instagram story and share with me what about the episode with me or with my guests that you loved. Also, please remember if you love this podcast to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss out on all of the incredible guests and topics that we have lined up for you during this crazy year. And as always, if there is ever a guest or a topic or anything you would like for me and a guest to discuss, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Regina A. Lawrence. Lots of love, guys.